Hi there, and welcome to a special end of the school year episode of First You Hustle, the podcast from the Columbus College of Art and Design meant to help students and budding creative professionals put their expertise to use. I'm your host, Jordan Bell, joining you from the Wexner Center for the Arts on the campus of Ohio State University, where CCAD is hosting their commencement ceremony for new graduates. Instead of me giving you advice or a sit-down interview, we're going to sit in on the graduation speeches from the ceremony's honorees, Emily Peloton and Charles Surrey. Emily is a designer and educator at the University of California in Berkeley. She's an important figure in design for social justice and collaborative community projects. Charles is a founding figure in digital art and is often called the father of computer animation. Graduation is often seen as an ending ceremony, but the speeches are more so a welcome to the working world with an advice on how to make the most of your abilities. That is fitting for the mission of our podcast, so let's turn things over to the experts and hear their advice, which is sound for those still in college, graduating, or even for those in the midst of their career. We are thrilled to have Emily Peloton here with us today. She is a designer, builder, educator, and founder of the nonprofit Project H and its sister organization, Girls Garage. Using architecture and design as a vehicle for social justice, she works alongside children age 9 to 18 to co-design and build architecture that transforms communities. To give you a little bit about her background, she holds a BA in architecture, an MFA in architecture, interior architecture, and designed objects. She is the author of two books, has been the subject of a documentary titled If You Build It. She's given TED Talk, been featured by the New York Times, and been a guest on the Colbert Report. Her work was awarded recognition by the Obama administration, the Seed Design Award, and the Curry Stone Design Prize. At CCAD, we value teaching above all else. Our faculty are dedicated to ensuring that CCAD, CCAD students are prepared for the next chapter by inspiring in them and investing in their future. Mrs. Peloton exemplifies this approach. I've been following her career for some time and found myself enthralled. She's built a farmer's market with high school students, a playhouse with the daughters of abused mothers, a school library designed by its own middle school students, and micro homes for a transitional housing agency. Each of these projects has demonstrated that design can deeply impact the lives of students and that a design education can transform an entire community. We are proud to have her as our commencement speaker today and proud to have her as an honorary uh, degree recipient. Thank you. Columbus College of Art and Design hereby confers upon Emily Peloton the honorary degree of Doctor of Fine Arts with all the rights, privileges, and honors appertaining thereto in recognition of her accomplishments as a designer, builder, and educator. Please join me in congratulating Emily Peloton. Hey, good morning. Thank you so much. You all look amazing. I'm so excited to be here. Um, all right, so 13 years ago, I was sitting where you are now. I was graduating with a Master of Fine Arts in Design, and I had an undergraduate degree in architecture under my belt, and I was nervous and excited, and I had $80,000 in student loans, 
and I was a designer and I wanted to change the world. These things sound familiar? Okay. So I also, I definitely remember feeling fear. I, I remember feeling afraid that I would have no good ideas, that I wouldn't be good enough, that I wouldn't be able to pay my bills, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But somehow that fear did not win. And I went on to start a design nonprofit and to build structures and spaces with young people and to help communities and schools redesign themselves and to get to do work that I love doing and that I'm deeply proud of. Also happy to report that I now only have $72,000 in student loans. <laughs> so I want to talk to you today about fear and bravery because it turns out that fear is kind of a scam and bravery is not some elusive thing that you're either born with or you're not. And because you've all survived art and design school, you are already brave and you've already signed up for a life of bravery. Artists and designers, we're, we're a brave bunch. We make things that come from deep within our hearts and souls and we put them out there nakedly with no guarantee that anyone is gonna like them or buy them or even notice. But we do it because we believe that the world can always be a little bit better and a little bit more just and a little bit more beautiful. So if that's not a brave life, I don't know what is. The problem is that we think about bravery as something that's reserved only for soldiers or survivors or underdogs or martyrs. But everyone is terrified all the time. The people that we see as the bravest truly are brave, but they're also probably the most scared because they have the most to lose. No one is fearless. And actually, if you don't experience fear, you might be a sociopath. Fear is actually a great gift. It's our body and the universe inviting us to grow. And that's all that bravery is. It's making a choice in the face of fear to do the hard thing anyway. Bravery is a choice, and it's something that you can practice, and it's a muscle that you can flex. And right now, in 2018, we need the bravery of artists more than ever. We need brave artists to tell ugly stories in ways that make people think, and to make complex problems more beautiful and more solvable and to make us feel closer as humans. Okay, so how do we do that as artists and designers? How do we practice bravery and how do we stay brave? So I wanna suggest that it's actually a pretty simple recipe with four key ingredients. So first, you have to take a leap. So I started my design nonprofit 10 years ago when I was 26 years old, if you wanna do that math. Um, I had just quit a design job where I had a 401k, but I was sick of arguing about things like doorknobs and plumbing fixtures. So I moved back in with my parents, and all the parents are cringing right now. Um, I moved back in with my parents. I had $1,000 in my savings account. Um, nothing about this situation indicates that I should have started a nonprofit. But I did, because I wanted to actually build things, and I wanted to do architectural and design work that mattered to me and to the communities that I thought could benefit most from it. So having a legal entity to answer to, I had to figure it out. And I did, and I still am every day. So you just have to decide and then do it. There's no right time, just do it. There is one catch, and the catch is that you can only leap if there is a canyon, and canyons don't just appear if you're holed up in your room. You have to put yourself out there. Um, Yayoi Kusama, who's one of my favorite artists, when she was a young painter living in Japan, she wrote a letter to one of her heroes, Georgia O'Keeffe, and she sent some of her watercolors with this letter. And Georgia wrote her back. And that correspondence was enough 
to encourage Yayoi to move to New York and to try to be a professional artist, and she's gone on to do such amazing things. But she picked up the pen and she wrote that letter. She created the conditions in which bravery was even an option. So you have to go to all the parties and email all your creative heroes and put your work up on the wall and enter the competitions. These are the things that create opportunities for bravery. And then bravery starts there, making the choice to do the scary thing when the canyon is in front of you. Second thing, so once you've taken that leap, you have to commit to it. There's no 50% anymore. You have to go do the thing you set out to do with total commitment and dedication and focus and obsession to the 10,000th degree, even when you feel ill-equipped or underprepared, which, by the way, everyone feels underprepared all the time. We're just making it up as we go. So during the second year of Project H's existence, I moved to rural North Carolina um, on the invitation of a school superintendent to teach a new and improved version of high school shop class. So I could have, build, sorry, I could have built birdhouses with my students, but instead, my students and I designed and built a 2,200-square-foot farmer's market that was an architectural record. It started four new businesses and created 15 new jobs in a town of 1,500 people. There's a documentary made about it. I had never taught high school before, but go big or go home, right? I also recently participated in a creative retreat where we had to do improv exercises with random objects. And let me tell you, if you don't fully commit to the paintbrush in your hand being a stick of deodorant or a tennis racket or a pancake flipper and own it, it does not work. And you are ultimately the one who's losing out. You have to be able to go to that place and fully embody the thing that you've chosen to do. And don't worry about failing or falling off the stage because people really do want you to succeed. And they're also too busy worrying about their own insecurities. So just go all in and it will come back to you tenfold. Third thing, bring your voice and scream it. So I learned in art school the importance of starting with your own story. We've heard this from a couple other speakers this morning. Who you are and where you come from. These things are not handicaps. They're the things that make your work yours and no one else's. So as a half-Asian female designer and builder, I have many war stories and complaints about working in the male-dominated field of building. But those frustrations led me to create Girls Garage, which is a physical place where young women can come together and weld and rock power tools and build things for our communities. And Girls Garage exists because of the hard parts of my story, not the easy ones. I can draw a straight line from the weird, misfit, imperfect things about myself to the work that I'm most proud of and that I love doing the most. And I think this is especially important for designers because we're so focused on pleasing the client first and always. But if you don't bring you and your voice to that work, then your designs will never be more than cliches. Last thing. So to stay brave, you need people. You need a real community, and you have to love them hard. So there's this image that we have of like the lone, starving artist going at it alone, and that all the bravest among us are always going at it alone. But if you think about your creative heroes, I would bet that not only are those people a part of a community, but they're also the builders of community. And I don't mean Instagram followers, I mean a community of people who are physically in your world, who challenge you, who look you in the eye, and who make your work better, and vice versa. 
I'm thinking of Frida Kahlo and um, Diego Rivera and Siqueiros and Orozco. We know all of their work individually, but those guys were hanging out together and pushing each other, and together they made the images of a revolution. So unfortunately, though, art and design school could be the last place where you have this built-in community. So when you leave, you have to consciously create that for yourself. And also remember that the people in this room, the parents, the family, and the friends, you always have these people as well. So find and love your people, and you are never alone. Okay, so you have to take a leap, commit to it, find your voice, and find your people. That's great, it's four easy steps. I'm sure we'll all start tomorrow. But what can we do today to choose and practice bravery? What can I do as your commencement speaker to prove to you that bravery is already inside all of us? Okay, so I'm gonna sing. And then you're gonna sing. Um, I suck at singing, but that's kind of the point, okay? So I would like for everyone who is able and willing to please stand up. We're gonna sing a song that I think everyone knows. If you don't, I'm sure you'll pick it up quickly. It seems particularly fitting for this occasion. Remember what I said about commitment. Okay, ready? <clears throat> oh my God, this is a better idea in my head. Okay. <laughs> okay. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. One more time with all you got. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, louder. I'm gonna let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Okay, to the graduating class of 2018, we need your light and we need your bravery. Thank you so much and congratulations. I am thrilled to introduce Charles Surrey. Mr. Surrey is a digital artist and professor emeritus of art education and computer and information science at The Ohio State University. He is best known for his pioneering the field of computer graphics, computer animation, and digital fine art. And he was recognized by Smithsonian Magazine as the father of computer animation. With support from the National Science Foundation, the Navy, and the Air Force Office of Scientific Research, Professor Emeritus Surrey directed basic research in computer graphics for more than two decades. The results of his groundbreaking work have been applied to flight simulators, computer-aided design, visualization of scientific phenomenon, education for the deaf, architecture, and special effects for television and films. 
His work has been exhibited at major museums around the world, and his work is in numerous collections, including the Museum of Modern Art and the Whitney. Thank you, Dr. Korn, and I truly appreciate the honor given to me by CCAD. First, congratulations to the new students of the class of 2018. Be sure to thank your parents, who probably sacrificed much to make this possible. Just when you reach a plateau in learning some basics about art, you will soon discover it's just the beginning because things change, especially with what lies ahead. However, those basic ideas about visual language involving space, color, visual balance, and organization will always be important regardless of your choice of a visual medium. Discussions about the arts with your peers and teachers will stay with you even though it may move into the background over time. I hope you will have the intellectual curiosity about the oncoming tidal wave of new ideas. To give you an idea of how you can change, this is one thing which happened to me many years ago when we were faculty at OSU. Roy Lichtenstein and I used to talk about visual structure and the work of Cezanne and Picasso which represented an ideal. We laughed and considered the work of Norman Rockwell as being slight and trivial as art, another silly illustrator. Now here I am, 70 years later, saying I have respect for Norman Rockwell's work and what it represented. That's a real change from where I was. About 55 years ago, I first started working with a computer in an attempt to create art. I quickly realized I had landed on an alien planet that could only communicate through logic and deal with parameter space, a measured universe which was a radical departure and very different from tubes of oil paint speared, speared with a brush or a knife. I had to ask myself, what is the meaning and concept and back of these weird symbols and numbers, do I really need a room-sized computer to make a few lines, especially since I can do it with a pencil that only costs 10 cents? <laughs> I can draw a fly in five seconds. Once I was able to crawl out of the black hole of code and layers of logic to understand how one makes pictures, I had to ask, what happened to spontaneity? Where's the art? I developed skills in typing and wrote a few lines of code, but I had to give meaning to it, and this is where I had to depend upon my training and experience as an artist. It was difficult to overcome the sterile and boring computers' qualities that pictures, computers tend to make with pictures. Somehow, I had to create art, and it's still hard to do. Nevertheless, I truly believe, believe that the very outset, the computer would have a profound impact upon society and how we communicate. While much has changed over the past 50 years with microcomputers, 
microcomputers, cell phones, and the internet, even greater change will take place in the coming decades with the role artificial intelligence will play in your lifetime, enough to make your head to spin with the challenges. Think about it. Your cell phone has more computational power than the IBM 7094 room-sized computer I had when I first started in 1963. 30 to 50 years from now, computers will be much faster, probably thousands with unlimited memory and software, especially artificial intelligence. Beyond your wildest dreams will make the difference for you to cope with it, however, is your art background, especially your creativity and the ability to think outside of the box. Today, I'm working with a former graduate student, and we're looking at some issues involving the user interface. We have no specific goal, just experimenting and playing with ideas. We are using eye-tracking software, voice commands, IBM Watson Artificial Intelligence and Unity Game Engine software. Also, about 35 years ago, my research group did some work with inverse kinematics. That may not mean anything to you, but some of you may recall on the internet uh, the dancing baby <laughs> that went viral. That was my former students, and that was the work we did. And we're probably going to work with that. <laughs> Although we're beginning our experiments, and the, this might help build a foundation for someone to create a narrative-driven animation system. I said narrative-driven animation system. No computer code to specify parameters, but only using a verbal dialogue between characters and who can talk and the animation director. For example, I have a figure on the screen. That screen has eye-tracking software. It sees me. It knows who I am. I can make gestures. I can say, go this way, and it'll move that way. I say, go that way, it'll move that way. When I say, walk in a circle, and the figure will walk in a circle. All with gestures in the way that many people normally communicate. And the thing is, it will change the way we think of different roles that people have. The characters will have a kind of intelligence. They will know many things. They can program. They will be like a worker. And you can make assignments to them and they can solve the problem for you, as well as function as a character in your animation. Let me get a little more fanciful. I'm anticipating a few years from now, maybe 20, I won't see it, but so you will. I have a character on the screen, and I say to the character, listen, I want you to go and look at Modigliani's paintings, figure out what they look, the, the costumes look like, and design a costume for yourself. And I want you to get a partner, and in the morning, I want you to be able to tango for me 
I want to see a da dance called a tango. I'm going to go to bed. When I come back in the morning and I turn my, on my computer, I expect to see you in the tango. So I go to bed, I come back in the morning, turn on my computer, and indeed, here's Modigliani figure dancing with a, a nude. I didn't have that in mind. I didn't realize there'd be a nude there. Modigliani <laughs> only made nudes. He didn't dress his figures. Well, I didn't know how I'm going to deal with that, but we'll talk about that later. Just let me look at your dance. Well, you know, it needs a little more elevation, a little more thrust. Try it again. It's also a little too mechanical. It looks like a machine did it. A little more hesitation, a little more gestures, something that's less mechanical, and so on. Well, I could go on and give you more examples, but that's sort of the kind of idea we're going to be dealing with in the future. This is not science fiction, this is real. And I'm starting to work on it right now. I won't have time to finish it. You have to finish it. Now, this will be the world of tomorrow, but your background in education and art will still make a difference. It's still going to take somebody who is an artist to know how to deal with it. Thank you once again, CCAD, for the honor. Thank you, Professor Emeritus Surrey. Columbus, Columbus College of Art and Design hereby confers upon Charles Surrey the honorary degree of Doctor of Fine Arts with all the rights, privileges, and honors appertaining thereto in recognition of his accomplishments as a pioneer in the field of computer graphics, computer animation, and digital fine art. Please join me one more time in congratulating Charles Surrey. Thank you again for joining us. Graduation speeches are inspiring, and while this podcast seeks to put inspiration to use through action steps, a good dose of inspiration is always welcome, no matter what stage of your career you are at. This wraps up our 2017-2018 academic year. We'll check in occasionally over the summer, so subscribe to us via Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Podbean, or like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash firstyouhustle. Have a great summer and stay creative.